Hello and welcome to Daily Prayer today for August 19th, 2021. Glad that you are with me. Let's go ahead and get started. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall proclaim your praise. You created the day and the night, O God. You set the sun and the moon in their places. You set the limits of the earth. You made summer and winter. The Lord be with you and also with you. Let us give our thanks to the Lord our God. Let it is right to give our thanks and praise. Merciful God, we give thanks that through the gift of our baptism, you have offered you offer the forgiveness of sin and wash us clean from all evil. By the power of your Holy Spirit, renew our lives and make us worthy to enter into your eternal sanctuary. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Our readings for today are Psalm 36 and 147, verses 12 through 20, 2 Samuel 19, 1 through 23, Acts 24, 1 through 23, and Mark 12, 28 through 36. Listen for God's word to speak to you. Psalm 36. Transgression speaks to the wicked deep in their hearts. There is no fear of God before their eyes, for they flatter themselves in their their own eyes that their iniquity cannot be found out and hated. The words of their mouths are mischief and deceit. They have ceased to act wisely and do good. They plot mischief while on their beds. They are set on a way that is not good. They do not reject evil. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. Your judgments are like the great deep. You save humans and animals alike, O Lord. How precious is your steadfast love, O God! All people may take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast in the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. O continue your steadfast love to those who know you, and your salvation to the upright of heart. Do not let the foot of the arrogant tread on me, or the hand of the wicked drive me away. There the evildoers lie prostrate. Prostrate. They are thrust down, unable to rise. Morning Psalm 147, verses 12 through 20. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. For God strengthens the bars of your gates. God blesses your children within you. God grants peace within your borders. God fills you with the finest of wheat. God sends out God's command to the earth. God's word runs swiftly. God gives snow like wool. God scatters frost like ashes. God hurls down hail like crumbs. Who can stand before God's cold? God sends out God's word and melts them. God makes God's winds blow and the waters flow. God declares God's word to Jacob, God's statutes and ordinances to Israel. God has not dealt thus with any other nation. They do not know God's ordinances. Praise the Lord. From 2 Samuel 19, 1 through 23. 
It was told Joab, the king is weeping and mourning for Absalom. So the victory that day was turned into mourning for all the troops, for the troops heard that day the king is grieving for his son. The troops stole into the city that day as soldiers steal in who are ashamed when they flee in battle. The king covered his face and the king cried with a loud voice, O my son, Absalom! O Absalom, my son, my son! Then Joab came into the house to the king and said, Today you have covered with shame the faces of all your officers who have saved your life today and the lives of your sons and your daughters, and the lives of your wives and your concubines, for love of those who hate you and for hatred of those who love you. You have made it clear today that commanders and officers are nothing to you, for I perceive that if Absalom were alive and all of us were dead today, then you would be pleased. So go out at once and speak kindly to your servants, for I swear by the Lord, if you do not go, Not a man will stay with you this night, and this will be worse for you than any disaster that has come upon you from your youth until now. Then the king got up and took his seat in the gate. The troops were all told, See, the king is sitting in the gate. And all the troops came before the king. Meanwhile, all the Israelites had fled to their homes. All the people were disputing throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, The king delivered us from the hand of our enemies and saved us from the hand of the Philistines, and now he has fled out of the land because of Absalom. But Absalom, whom we anointed over us, is dead in battle. Now therefore, why do you say nothing about bringing the king back? King David sent this message to the priests Zadok and Abiathar. Say to the elders of Judah, why should you be the last to bring the king back to his house? The talk of all Israel has come to the king. You are my kin. You are my bone and my flesh. Why then should you be the last to bring back the king? And say to Amasa, are you not my bone and my flesh? So may God do to me and more if you are not the commander of my army from now on in place of Joab. Amasa swayed the hearts of all the people of Judah as one, and they sent word to the king, Return, both you and all of your servants. So the king came back to the Jordan, and Judah came to Gilgal to meet the king and bring him over the Jordan. Shimei, son of Gera, the Benjaminite, from Behurim, hurried to come down with the people of Judah to meet King David. With him were a thousand people from Benjamin, and Ziba, the servant of the house of Saul, with his fifteen sons and his twenty servants, rushed down to the Jordan ahead of the king, while the crossing was taking place to bring over the king's household and to do his pleasure. Shimei, son of Gera, fell down before the king as he was about to cross the Jordan and said to the king, May my lord not hold me guilty or remember how your servant did wrong on the day my lord the king left Jerusalem. May the king not bear it in mind, for your servant knows that I have sinned. Therefore, see, I have come this day, the first of all the house of Joseph, to come down to meet my lord the king. Abishai, son of Zeriah, answered, Shall not Shimei be put to death for this, because he cursed the Lord's anointed? But David said, What have I to do with you, the sons of Zeriah, that you should today become an adversary to me? Shall anyone be put to death in Israel this day? For do I not know that I am this day king over Israel? 
The king said to Shammai, You shall not die. And the king gave him his oath. Acts 24, 1-23 Five days later, the high priest Ananias came down with some elders and an attorney, a certain Tertullus, and they reported their case against Paul to the governor. When Paul had been summoned, Tertullus began to accuse him, saying, Your Excellency, because of you, we have long enjoyed peace and reforms have been made for this people because of your foresight. We welcome this in every way and everyone, everywhere, with utmost gratitude. But to detain you no further, I beg you to hear us briefly with your customary graciousness. We have, in fact, found this man a pestilent fellow, an agitator among all the Jews throughout the world, and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. He even tried to profane the temple, and so we seized him. By examining him yourself, you will be able to learn from him concerning everything of which we accuse him. The Jews also joined in the charge by asserting that all this was true. When the governor motioned to him to speak, Paul replied, I cheerfully make my defense, knowing that for many years you have been a judge over this nation. As you can find out, it is not more than twelve days since I went up to worship in Jerusalem. They did not find me disputing with anyone in the temple or stirring up a crowd either in the synagogues or throughout the city. Neither can they prove to you that the charge that they now bring against me, but this I admit to you, that according to the way, which they call a sect, I worship the God of our ancestors, believing everything laid down according to the law or written in the prophets. I have hope in God, a hope that they themselves also accept that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the unrighteous. Therefore, I do my best always to have a clear conscience toward God and all people. Now, for some years, I came to bring alms to my nation and to offer sacrifices. While I was doing this, they found me in the temple, completing the rite of purification without any crowd or disturbance. But there were some Jews of Asia. They ought to be here before you to make an accusation if they have anything against me. Or let these men here tell what crime they have found when I stood before the council. Unless it was this one sentence that I called out while standing before them, it is about the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial before you today. But Felix, who was rather well informed about the way, adjourned the hearing with the comment. When Lysias, the tribune, comes down, I will decide your case. Then he ordered the centurion to keep him in custody, but to let him have some liberty and not to prevent any of his friends from taking care of his needs. From Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 34. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that Jesus answered them well, he asked him, Which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, The first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and beside him there is no other. 
and to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself, this is much more important than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared ask him any questions. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So our readings for today, um, aftermath of Absalom's death. David goes to mourn the death of Absalom, and the army, because they hear that he's mourning, they, they kind of sneak in, not as those who are victorious warriors, but those who sort of are as if they were those who had defected from a, um, a battle. They are sort of sneaking in. And Joab comes in, and he has harsh and strong words for David. He says, what are you doing? Your army, these people who love you, who just fought for you, are skulking around as if you hate them. And this one who rose up against you, who took the king kingdom from you, the kingship from you, Absalom, you're mourning him as if he was one who, who loved you dearly. You're treating your allies like enemies, and you're treating your enemies like allies. What's going on here? And so David straightens himself up. He comes back to the throne room um, at the gate of the city that he is staying and is now ready to kind of take on things. And he, he receives the army and, and they're sort of, they're restored. And then he hears from all the people, they say, well, David has been our king for this long time. He, he saved us from the, from the Pharisees, or not the Pharisees, the Philistines. He um, has been our leader for a long time. For a while we had this um, King Absalom who we crowned, but he's dead now. So why don't we just make David the king again? And he hears this from all quarters except for the people that David had left in Jerusalem. And so he writes them a letter and says, hey, what's going on? Why don't you kind of receive me back. So he now is returning back to Jerusalem, and on the way, just as on the way out, there were these couple of scenes between um, Zedek and this other man, I can't remember his name, um, now we see them again. Zedek comes and he, he sort of gives his allegiance to David's throne and crown and um, says that he'll be a servant. This is actually what he did on the way out as well. And David had said, no, you stay, stay where you are. I just need supporters. But the other man, you may remember, was throwing uh, not only rocks, but also insults, right? He was cursing David. And he comes repentant. He says, I am so sorry. <laughs> I thought you were on the way out. I thought you were dying, right? Um, I, so I could actually say these things in, with impunity. Now you're the king. Now you can take these things out on me. And in fact, there are some in David's um, cohort that say you should take these things out on him. He cursed you. You should have him put to death. And David says, I, I don't want anyone else to die today. No, he said what he felt he needed to say. Right? And this is very similar to what David said on the way out. He's not wrong, right? But today I'm the king of Israel again. I'm going back. There's no need to punish him. He, he's repentant. He knows what he did. So David comes back to Jerusalem and becomes king once again. And then we have in Acts, Paul is being put on trial. This is before Felix the governor. Um, 
Ananias, the high priest, and another scribe and a lawyer come to Caesarea to make their claim against Paul. And you notice the lawyer is, lots of things have changed in 2,000 years. Lawyering hasn't changed all that much. He has this the very flowery, like, oh, great, uh, great governor. We we trust you're, that you're so wise and you're so good looking. And, you know, he butters him up. <laughs> And then says, this, this guy is, is a, um, you know, a rabble rouser and a troublemaker and all these things. And Paul's defense was, hey, listen, sure, I may have done some things some other places, but I've been, it was 12 days ago that I came to Jerusalem. And you won't be able to find anybody that I was arguing with in Jerusalem, which, if you know my reputation, is a pretty major thing, right? Um, you will find no witnesses to what they're accusing me of bringing a Gentile into the temple. There's nobody who has a witness to those things who actually saw it because it didn't happen. The only things they have sort of this charge against me of which they have proof is something that I share with them, that we have a hope in a resurrection. Um, we have this hope that God will raise up people to life. He doesn't even bring Jesus into this. He says, they have no case against me. So the governor says, yep, okay. Um, I'm not going to charge him because there's nothing here. There's no there there, right? If you have more to say, then, then you can go ahead and say it. I'm going to wait until this other person comes to hear this case as well. Uh, Paul, you stay here, but we're going to give you a little bit more um, leeway. So again, Paul is making his defense, and and it is specific for where he is. He's making a defense that he has not been a rabble rouser in Jerusalem, that he did not bring a Gentile into the temple, and that, in fact, he believes in the resurrection, something that they, too, should be believing in as well. So that is his beginning of his defense, and we'll see where this goes from here. Then we have Jesus and a scribe. This is, again, this is during Holy Week. He's in the temple. There have been all of these sort of attacks on him, and a scribe comes up, and this is a much more earnest question. What is, what's the most important commandment? This probably would have been debated by rabbis and scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees. You know, what's, what's the most important? And Jesus gives this summary um, that is found in Deuteronomy and in the prophets. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Um, this would have been a fairly acceptable answer, even for his day. And the scribe says, yeah, that's, that's right. You've got it, right? You know, he, he, you understand the law and the prophets. This is the first person in all of these encounters who actually acknowledges that Jesus um, actually has some authority here, actually has something good to say, and just looks at him and says, you're not far from the kingdom of God. You, you get it too. So he goes in peace. Those are our readings for today. Let's go ahead and join in together in prayer. Satisfy us with your love in the morning, and we will live this day in joy and praise. 
We praise you, God, our creator, for your handiwork in shaping and sustaining your wondrous creation. Especially we thank you for the ministry of all the baptized. Those who provide for public safety and well-being. Those with whom we work or share common concerns. Opportunities to share good news with others. The treasure stored in every human life. People of God, for what else do we give thanks? We give thanks for this day. Um, for challenging times. But I don't, I don't know where you are with this, but I want to lift up uh, thanks for a leadership that would dare actually take us out of forever war in Afghanistan. It's messy, it's terrible, and our hearts are with those who are suffering. But we've not. It's been a challenging 20 years. We dare to pray for others. God, our Savior, claiming your love in Jesus Christ for the whole world committing ourselves to care for others in his name. Especially we pray for the church in Asia and the Middle East. Especially right now. Those who seek to save the earth from destruction. Those who work for the benefit of others. Those who cannot work today. All who proclaim your saving love. People of God, for what else do we pray? We pray for the family and friends of Joe's daughter-in-law who passed away suddenly. We pray for Donald and Deborah, friends of Bill's. Deborah's in the middle stages of Alzheimer's. We also pray for Joan and Keith, former co-workers of Bill's. Joan has many health problems, and Keith is her primary caregiver. We pray for Louisa, Linda's granddaughter, who's gotten RSV. For Kathy, a friend of Jan Ann's, who's back in the hospital with kidney failure. For Debbie, who's healing from hip replacement surgery and broken rib, and also hand pain. We pray for Joy, a former play school teacher who's beginning chemo for colon cancer. We lift up the teachers for the play school who are beginning training this week. As you cause the sun to rise, O God, bring the light of Christ to dawn in our souls and dispel the shadows of hatred and fear. 
Give us grace to reflect Christ's glory and let his love show in our deeds, his peace shine in our words, and his healing in our touch, that all may give him praise now and forever. Amen. Now let us continue to pray using the words that Christ taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. Now may the God of hope fill us with all joy and peace through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Bless the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. Thank you so much for joining me today for daily prayer. Joining me tomorrow for some more. Like this video, share it with someone else. Click on the subscription and the notification button, as well as going to our website, johncalvinchurch.org. Also, like our Facebook page and our Instagram account. Our liturgy today came from the Book of Common Worship of the Presbyterian Church USA 2018 edition, and our readings came from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. Thank you so much for joining me. Have a very blessed day. We'll see you next time. Bye.